Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. separate rooms. No, we've been divided. Well, I'll just clarify here. I'm working in Manchester and you're at home. It's not that we are uh, separated because of any coronavirus reasons. Ah, yes, yeah. Not because of that yet. How's how's your hand washing? Oh, obsessive, obviously. How about you? I feel like I'm amazing at washing my hands. And do you know what the great thing is? Go on. Because I've got horrible little hands, I only need to sing Happy Birthday through once. <laughs> Doesn't take as long. Yeah, because of my awful little hands. I'm really excited about Thursday because it is my birthday and I'm going to sing it to myself all day. <laughs> hey, um, our friend Suze Azapardi tweeted mm-hmm. about the prospect of self-isolation yeah. being perfect for drifters. Yes. Kind of a dream scenario for many people, isn't it? It is a thing, and I wanted to talk this through with you. On one hand, I'm fine being sort of light-hearted about coronavirus and joking about it because what are you going to do, Annabelle? What what are you going to do? Exactly. You've 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 got to laugh, haven't you? Yeah. Until it goes on, horrifically wrong, and then you're allowed well, to stop laughing. <laughs> this this is the thing that, I, on the other hand, people don't always listen to each episode of this podcast when it's released. Sometimes mm. there are months, and even occasionally years, before people listen to the episode. Yes. And what if they're then listening to this when a fifth of the world's population <laughs> has been wiped out? And I'm laughing, which I just did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's, it's, it's striking a balance, isn't it? It's striking yeah. a balance. Uh, how is it affecting you so far? Have you cancelled your birthday plans? <laughs> yeah, I, cancel, I cancelled my big party for 300 people, so that's not going ahead now. Um, <laughs> and apart from that, yeah, it's all pretty as usual, really. Do you remember at Christmas there was that whole to-do where my wife had contacted you independently and said, we're not doing presents this year, but I'd already been out and bought you a present. Yes. And then I didn't give it to you because I didn't want to make you feel awkward. Yes. So... So what's happened now is I've still got that present at home, yeah. but because we're separate this week, I'm not going to see you, and then it's going to be a week after your birthday, and it feels a little after the event. Do you think I should save this present I got you no. until next Christmas? <laughs> I think next week will be just fine. It won't feel okay, in any okay. way after the event. I just wanted to check. Right. I am, I am wondering. So, I mean, 
if we get to a stage in this country, and people are saying we probably will, where we're taking similar measures to Italy or other European countries and um, we, we're having to cancel events, mm. does this mean I get to cancel my son's fourth birthday party at the end of April? <gasps> That doesn't make you feel happy, does it? Are you trying to, you trying to get out of your son's like first ever birthday party? I, I don't want you know. I'm I'm not going to enjoy it. <laughs> it's not about you. It's about him. No, no. I'm, I, I hope for his sake it doesn't get cancelled. Right. Yeah, yeah. But you know, you can distract these kids very easily, <laughs> usually by throwing money at the problem. <laughs> Whereas it's going to be an uncomfortable couple of hours for me standing around making small talk with other parents. So you're saying that it would it would in many ways be a relief to you if you had to cancel it? I think so. Okay. Listen to this. So, so my in-laws are supposed to be coming to visit in April. Right. And they are considering not coming. Okay. And I asked my mother-in-law why, because it seems to me if they've got coronavirus in America, if they've got it in the UK, what difference does it make where you catch it? Yeah. And her answer was, mm. well, what if we got stuck in the UK and we weren't allowed to leave for weeks? Right. I find it difficult not to take that personally, even though I wouldn't want them stuck in our house for weeks. Well, that's what I'm thinking. She's probably thinking of you and how you would I don't, feel. I, I didn't get that impression. Oh, right. She was thinking of herself. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm now you're offended. Little... Yes, yes. What's wrong with my company for weeks on end? <laughs> yeah, I'm both offended and the thought of you know, having to share my house with anybody apart from Sarah and my son for, for more than, what do they say, house guests and fish go off after three days? Something like that, isn't it? Is that yeah. the saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so there's that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, you've you got to keep going, Anna. What can you do? What can you do? Mm-hmm. Are you stockpiling? Uh, I'm, I'm going to let you know about that in a bit. Oh, that's exciting. Yes, yeah, we're going to come to that. Yeah, a teaser there. <laughs> I went to uh, I went to the supermarket the other day, mm. and I could not, for the life of me, find these particular frozen Brussels sprouts in a miso glaze. <laughs> and I'm wondering now if people are stockpiling those. I've never even heard of such a thing. Does that really exist? It's like hipster frozen vegetables. Wow, <laughs> they're called strong roots. <laughs> they're really exceptional. But yeah, I'm worried that the people are hoarding. Brussels sprouts in miso. I'm going to go um, and buy them all now. They sound amazing. They are really good. They are really good. I mean, obviously it'd be nice if a fresh sprouts, but I'm too lazy to make the glaze. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I went outside the supermarket to use a cash machine and there was a homeless lady there and I didn't have any change on me. You know, the she, as, as I walked out, she said, have you got any change? And I didn't and I felt bad. And I was using the cash machine there, but there was a bit of a queue. So I'm in the queue for this cash machine and the whole time I can hear her saying, like every few seconds, because it's a busy street, street excuse me you got any change excuse me you got any change and I just started feeling just terrible for her Mm. because everyone was ignoring her Mm. and because she'd been sort of reduced to just repeating this phrase over and over again like a robot and I found it you know upsetting so as I got to the cash machine I thought oh what difference is this going to make to me and I got an extra note out and gave it to her now I'm not telling you this because I want to, I want you to know what a great guy I am. Mm. But she was like, "Oh, oh, thank you so, so, thank you. You will not believe the difference this is going to make to me. Come here." And then she puts her arms out into the hug position. Right now, 
I'm I'm trying not even to shake hands with people at the moment because of coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't want her to think that I'm not hugging her because she's a homeless person. Oh, no, no, you can't. No. So you had to go so in just, for the full embrace. I went, went in for the full embrace, yeah. Oh. Well, you look and, like a great guy twice over. Yeah, I have been coughing. <laughs> Glad we're in separate rooms now. <laughs> Time for stories from drifters. If you've got one for us, uh, you can email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. First one's from LL. Bit of background on LL if you're interested. Mm-hmm. Her daughter introduced her to the podcast and she listens while walking the streets of NYC. Oh. Mm. Okay. I'd love to be walking those streets. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah. On to the story. I'd love to know which streets. <laughs> maybe she'll let us know and I'll, and I'll pass yeah. it on just Let me know for if it's Mott Street. Mott Street is a very nice street. Okay, well, maybe it is. Yeah. Okay, here's the story. I recently started a new position as an assistant principal at a middle school and a big part of my job is coaching new teachers. Over the years, I have learned that building relationships with these always younger teachers is key to both our success. During summer training, we often do team builder activities after training sessions. And in the first week, one of the fun games was a competition where a person has to put an Oreo or other cookie on their forehead while seated next to a group of other teachers doing the same. The person who is able to manoeuvre the cookie into their mouth first without using their hands wins. One of my new teachers, Karen, volunteered and I cheered her heartily on as she did a terrific job of squinting and contorting her face to get that cookie into her mouth, but alas, was bested by another teacher. The next day, as we all gathered together right before the day's regular training sessions began, I spotted Karen way across the room and in the spirit of complete solidarity, gave her the thumbs up sign while contorting my own face in memory of her valiant efforts, just to show her how much I valued her being a good sport. But despite my enthusiastic waving thumbs up gesture and extreme facial contortions, Karen looked confused and kept glancing around perplexedly. It took me a full two minutes of solidarity facial contortions to realise that I was not gesturing to Karen at all, but instead (laughs) was making faces at a completely different person. Oh, God. While the rest of the 40 plus young teachers looked on at this obviously deranged new (laughs) boss at the front of the room. Luckily, they were all polite enough to perhaps think I had some sort of severe facial tick and no one said anything at all. (laughs) I've since built real relationships with my group of teachers, but have decided that never mentioning that incident ever is probably the best way to go. Viva Laporte Protocol. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't it? Okay. Maybe we could do a Patreon video, which is just LL doing that face for us. (laughs) Although I think it's one of those things where everybody has their own sort of mental idea of what that looked like and maybe it can never be bettered. Yeah, I certainly have a very clear picture of what I think it looks like. Okay, this is from Anon. I'm a doctor and the following has gone down as local folklore in my place of work. One of my colleagues was seeing a patient who required a detailed head and neck examination. This involves using a light and the doctor's face gets very close to the patient to the extent that if you got the angle wrong, you would be just about kissing. We do warn people we're about to get quite close. This was taking place and the doctor was about to examine the mouth. He planned to say, I'm just going to put my finger in and press on the tongue. 
what he actually said was, I'm just going to put my tongue in. The patient, <laughs> the patient looked terrified and very shortly after, so did the doctor. Oh, that's amazing. How do, do you, you ever get it in the that? opticians when they come at you with the torch? If they get too close to my face, I laugh because it feels too much like they're going to kiss me. It's very uncomfortable, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay, and this one is from Charlie. I'm just listening to this week's podcast and I thought I'd chime in with my petty micro-passive aggression. Oh, great, yes. Mm. I moved to the US a few years ago and I guess my surname, Kirk, is more common as a first name here than back in England. On a semi-regular basis, perhaps once or twice a month, I get work emails addressed with Hi Kirk or something similar. I usually let the first one slide, particularly if they're reaching out to me first. But if they're replying to an email I've signed off with Charlie, I'll reply with Hi, their surname, back. In the past week, I've had the worst example of this so far. I received the first email to Hi, C. Kirk. For reference, my email address is ckirk at company.com. This seemed ridiculous to me, especially as the guy emailing me works in IT. So there's no excuse about not knowing how the email addresses are set up or how to read names in the email directory. So I decided to reply back, giving him a fake name here of John Smith, even though there is pretty much no chance he listens, but it would be awful if he did. (laughs) I replied back with J Smith. The next email I get, at which point my name is usually right, is addressed to Kirk. So my reply back is, hi, Smith. (laughs) The third reply email is, hi, Charles. Almost right. (laughs) So I reply, hi, (laughs) Joe. Now, I have to admit, I'm now terrified he'll call me out on it, but I also don't want to back down. He's never gone further than one email before, so I'm ready with the excuse of, oh, I thought you wanted to be called by your surname, so I was replying in kind. I'd also like to point out that these are almost always on group emails, safety in numbers, and regularly I will have someone else on the chain replying back to me directly, highlighting what I've done with a ha or a lol, which only encourages him more. After all, we all just want to be liked. Oh my god! That, that was an exceptionally good selection of emails this yes, week. Yes, wasn't it? That's that's uh, one of the things we've got on the go. By the way, is passive microaggressions. Let's have some more of those, and just your general stories of humiliating yourself in some kind of social situation. It's hello at adriftpodcast dot com. Annabelle. Yes. It's a special week, isn't it? Yes, it is. Number 52. Yeah, a whole year's worth (laughs) of not being a fully functioning adult. Yeah, part 52, panic buying. I am so bad at panic buying. I told Tom I was going to go out to do some panic buying at the weekend. And then I I came back with two kitchen rolls, some ibuprofen and a packet of Bendix vitamins. My main problem here is, I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be buying. Like, what is it I'm supposed to get? Because it seems like everyone else is getting toilet roll. But I just, I mean, I use toilet roll, don't get me wrong. But I just, in this situation, I don't see it as an essential. Like, If we run out, I'll just do some kind of makeshift B-day. And I'd probably actually end up being cleaner than when I was wiping with paper. I find kitchen roll much more essential. I think use that to wipe up the water that my boyfriend is dripping constantly on the floor, which is the total bane of my life. I could use a tea towel, I suppose. Is he leaking? <laughs> it feels like he leaks. 
I, I don't have enough tea towels to keep up the demand of the water drops he scatters everywhere. Perhaps I should I should be panic buying more tea towels. But I might just think I'm bad at panic buying in comparison to my mum, who is a brilliant panic buyer. She said to me recently that she can't understand why people are not thinking far ahead enough. But this is a woman who not only constantly thinks ahead, but has a very vivid imagination. And these two things combined mean that I sometimes get text messages or voicemails, like one I got a few years back that said, oh, um, Annabelle, I was just thinking, when you get on the tube, make sure you're not wearing a very long scarf, as you might not be able to get on the train and as it's too, because it's too busy. And then your scarf might get stuck in the door and you'd be dragged along the platform by your neck. Oh, and it could also happen with a lift. So to, to, to try not to wear a very long scarf. About 15 years ago, she came to visit me in London. She brought with her a disaster survival kit, which from memory was just tins of Waitrose ratatouille and some bottled water. <laughs> and the problem with these kits is that I just ended up eating the tins and drinking the water. So that when the disaster does arrive, I'll have nothing. I turned up at my house two years ago with six of those, you know, those really huge bottles of water. Yes, yeah. Which she said... Which she said she said was for when the Russians infiltrate our water supply. <laughs> Within six months, it was all gone. Like, I don't even know why I drank it. Like, I've got a tap. I don't need to drink it. I think it was just in the way. And now when the Russians do infiltrate the water supply, like, what am I going to do? Like, she's going to ring up and, ask, and she'll say, oh, I bet you're glad of all that water now. And I'll be dizzy and with the rapid heart rate and sunken eyes, dying of dehydration. I'll have to say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm so hydrated. I'm just having a lovely bath with some of the water now. <laughs> but my problem is, where am I supposed to keep all the stuff I've panic bought? I, I do not want to sleep with 80 tins of baked beans piled up alongside my bed. Like you see these photos of people with trolleys piled high with toilet roll and all I can think about is them sleeping with it in a wall along their bed or all piled <laughs> up in the living room obstructing the TV. Anyway, when there's no supplies left, I'm going to be just fine with my Bendix Bitterments, my lovely dry floor. <laughs> and if you're listening to this in the future, <laughs> that, that'll be me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've had a few nice responses on social media to our latest Patreon bonus content, which is your tour of Snaresbrook that you very kindly took me on and your lover, Tom, filmed on his camcorder. Great. People have enjoyed it. Good. Well, some people anyway. Uh, I watched it. Oh, yes. What did you think? Well, firstly, I I just really enjoyed that tour. It was great seeing it on screen. Mm. I think you are a natural. Your dog, (laughs) Rusty Scruff, is even better than you are. I mean, I I very much enjoyed it. But I'll tell you what I didn't enjoy. What? Just looking at myself. Oh, Jeff, you look lovely in it. Oh, I look like a garden gnome. It's just... I'll tell tell you what I really noticed about myself Mm. is just how bad my posture is. Oh, really? It's terrible. I st- Honestly, I, I have a similar posture to a turtle. <laughs> I just stick my head forward the whole time. You need to be doing some Alexander technique. Well, let me tell you something. After seeing that video, I googled what can I do about bad postures, <laughs> specifically putting my head too far forward. Oh. And I found an exercise. And what it involved was pressing my chin down. Yeah. I mean, firstly, whenever you do these things, I feel so unnatural. I feel like I'm at Swiss finishing school and I've got a book on my head. I think, like, who who is adopting these poses? Who is who's correcting the posture like this and feeling natural? Nobody. 
I feel, you know, I, I physically feel like what it must feel like when you're like two people in one trench coat pretending to be one very tall person. <laughs> you know, it's, it just don't feel natural in the way I move at all. And then secondly, so I've been pushing my chin down, mm. but it's, it's, you know, sometimes if you push something somewhere, then it causes problems somewhere else. Oh, right. My back has been in agony for days since I've been doing it. Oh, <laughs> Was that all you had to do? Put your chin down and then... Yeah, but it's like a stretch. Uh... So you, you use your fingers, put them on your chin and sort of push your chin down. Because pretty much like me, everyone is now doing that. <laughs> yeah, and, and you will start to feel it in the back of your neck like a uh, stretch. Yeah, yeah, so I'm doing it now. But then it started, now your back's all dear and your back's hurting, yeah. you're falling apart. I know. I think just I going with the turtle look. What's wrong with the turtle look? It's not good. It's, it's not good. And as soon as I googled it, it said, um, I think it's called forward head posture defect or something. Oh, defect. And it said, That's not a good word. You know, uh, it places unnecessary pressure on the spine and also looks very unattractive. Oh, but I, I think for you, what you have to bear in mind is, has your wife mentioned it? Because I think she, if she found it unattractive, she'd be the first to point it out. Like, for example, your hands and your smile. Yeah, so, has, I'm sure has it'll she go mentioned? On the li- no, but it'll probably be on the list. Oh, Jeff. Yeah. Anyway, uh, if you'd like to see my terrible posture, <laughs> as well as Annabelle's wonderful tour of Snaresbrook, uh, support us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com stroke adrift. <laughs> of sort of unrelated things if you fancy them yes love them first thing was uh, i went to bed the other night sarah was working away so i was on my own and ever since i got burgled while i was sleeping a couple of years ago i've been a little bit jumpy Mm. um when when she's not in the house to protect me (laughs) with her big strong hands (laughs) um anyways so I, i went to bed turned the light off and then i heard outside an owl hooting. Oh, lovely. Well, that's what I thought at first. I thought, that's lovely, the sound of an owl hooting. Mm. What a lovely nighttime sound that you don't always expect to hear in an urban environment. Yeah. And then I became absolutely paranoid that it was somebody doing an owl sound as a signal to somebody else. What? Oh, he's got a crack in his window. Let's go to his house. Yeah, <laughs> like, look, he's turned the lights off now. We should break in downstairs. No. Yeah. Do people do burglars still make bird sounds? What are you are you saying? This is a thing. Well, maybe not burglars, but just sort of ne'er do wells generally. Spies, maybe. I've never heard of this. I don't think it's a thing. What like, people making owl sounds to signal? No, really. really? Well, now now I'm confused. I thought that was a thing. <laughs> maybe the drifters can enlighten us. Yeah. Um, all right, let's move on from that. Do you want a train story? Oh, yes, please. I've had one for ages. No, so I got on a train to come here to Manchester on Sunday. Mm. And like people were sprinting along the platform to get on the train like it was a race. 
first of all. Right. And I'm guessing that's because most of the seats are reserved and there's sort of one carriage with unreserved seats and people feel the need to like play a big game of British Bulldog <laughs> to, to get a seat facing forwards or whatever they want, a table. Right. Anyways, but I had a reserved seat. So I was on a two-table mm-hmm. and I started unpacking my bag and putting my coat and my scarf up. And then this woman comes sort of harumphing behind me and kind of quite aggressively shoves shoves me out of the way. Ooh. And then she sits down at the other side of this table for two. Okay. Now, all I want to say at this point is there were other tables available. Right. It The, the carriage we were in, I'm going to admit it, it was a weekend and you can pay a bit extra and go in the first class carriage where it's quiet. And okay. that's what I'd done. Yep. And I found it odd that she insisted on sitting on this two table with me when she could have sat on an empty four table. Oh, that is very weird. Very weird. Yeah. Anyway, that's. It's, it's, I, will, I will tell you the weirdest bit in a minute because that's yeah. not it. Um, but I'll tell you what I did before I did that. I rang Sarah up mm. um, under the guise of just ringing my wife for a chat. Right. But then I was just waiting for her to say for her to say how how are you. And and to which I replied, oh, my God, you would not believe people's behaviour getting onto this train. It is like they're about to drop the bomb on the city and it's the last train out and, and people are just jostling each other. You won't believe people's behaviour. <laughs> right. And I said that to be passive aggressive to this woman who yeah. shoved at me. Yeah. Anyway, so the train sets off and um, and and after a while she gets out of her bag a shop-bought sandwich. Okay. Do you want to know what's on the sandwich? Yes. Hummus. Yeah. And falafel. Okay. And it's on brown bread, brown sliced bread. Yeah. Do you want to know something else? Yeah. She did not have a drink, not a sip, not a bottle of water, (gasps) not anything. No. Do you not feel like just hearing that your insides have just fossilised? Just hearing that, honestly, I, I have to take a sip of water because my mouth dried. My mouth yeah. dried, the saliva disappeared in my mouth just thinking about that. I'd rather be crawling through the desert, <laughs> like looking for some kind of oasis, than, than I would to eat that sandwich with no water. And then when they brought crisps around, she had a bag of crisps and still had no water. Who is Ready salted woman? crisps. Who is this woman? I don't know. Maybe she had some kind of special like, intravenous water under her clothes. <laughs> she, she had a drip sellotape to her. <laughs> I'm just guessing. How yeah. else could she survive? I don't know. It was it was deeply strange and, and very upsetting. It was far <laughs> far worse than her shoving me out of the way. <laughs> Right, let's answer some quandaries in Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic today. Not in Problematic, but in the Travel Tavern uh, in Salford. The first one is from the Lord Highness, John McGowan. John McGowan? Yes. I am visually impaired and well-meaning folk will often try to help me when I'm out and about, which often includes randomly grabbing my arm, which can be quite risky if I'm trying to negotiate stairs or an escalator, as the surprise can cause me to lose my balance. How do I fend these people off without offending them and putting them off from ever helping a disabled person who might actually need assistance? I consulted Disability Twitter, but to be honest, their suggestions often sound a wee bit petulant. One fellow blindy roars, don't touch me, which seems a tad harsh when people think they're helping. Any suggestions gratefully received? What do you think? Well, it's extremely tricky because... Mm. 
you don't want to upset someone who's just trying to help you. So how how do you make sure they help you in the right way? I mean, to be honest, why are people grabbing? That's been maybe not what I would do. Could you say, I'm so grateful for your offer of help, but just a, a friendly word of advice. P- people don't like to be poured at. Poured at? <laughs> I still think that's impossible. For a drifter especially, like like getting that out. Yeah. Would be, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. Maybe you could... Um, no, that's not going to work. <laughs> Go on, what were you going to say? Well... I was going to say that maybe they could wear a sign saying that they were a leper or something and unclean and then people wouldn't touch them. <laughs> yeah, you you could just sort of paint on your forehead, unclean. Unclean. <laughs> and ring a, and walk, carry around ringing a bell, unclean. Yeah. I mean, if anything, coronavirus is going to come in handy for you. Yeah, because people aren't going to be touching you anywhere near as much. Because people, you know, you, you will we'll be all at least one metre apart from each other. I honestly don't know if there's an answer to this. I think you can't... You can't not offend someone who wants to help you in that way. Unless they were in they were insensitive. Yeah, I know, but it's it's I think it's not great of the person doing the help if they can't understand that that the the person being helped mm. should have some agency. Mm, mm, mm. I think maybe we're looking about this the wrong way. We're trying to help him decide how to negotiate these people. Really, we should be setting a rule for people helping blind people and saying, don't yes. touch them. <laughs> yes. Well, well, maybe, maybe um, sorry, I, did, I didn't catch who this was from. It's John. John McGowan, that's right. Mm. Um, John, may, maybe you could get back in touch with us mm. with the way that you would like to this this to play out in your ideal scenario yes because then we know what to do yeah because i don't know what to do i want to help if if they need help but i don't want to be annoying at the same time yes he needs to tell us what we should be doing and then that's that's the rule and then he won't be bothered by people because everyone listens to this don't they (laughs) i felt bad about overtaking a visually impaired person with the pram a while back oh really yeah I mean, I, 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 I don't know if that's patronising of me or not. Mm. Maybe John could help me with that situation because on one hand, I didn't want the person to feel like there was this sort of rattle of a trolley behind them. Mm-mm. But on the other hand, I didn't want to feel like I was sort of a boy racer or something just zooming <laughs> past them like, see you later, sucker. <laughs> Eat my dirt. See you later, I mean, I didn't sucker. say either of those things, but, you know, <laughs> I didn't want it to come across like that. <laughs> I'm seeing like fire coming out of the wheels of your, of your buggy. Oh yeah. yeah. John needs to tell us what to do basically. Yeah, definitely. And then okay. we can put that out there okay. as a public service because okay, it might not change things in in broadly speaking for you, but at mm. least the drifters will know how to behave and these are already people who are, are turning this stuff over in their minds. Yes. Non-stop anyway. These are the things we get obsessed about. Exactly, exactly. Okay, so hopefully he'll let us know. Okay, let's move on to Jennifer. In fact, it is wise Baroness Jennifer. A bit of a podcast overlap here. I heard Jeff mention on the other podcast, the joy of taking your child to Clark's for a shoe fitting. Oh, yeah. I share this excitement and would also love to pop my feet in the machine. However, I do feel a very adrift situation every time we go. And I'm interested to hear how Jeff and others deal with this. The 20% discount on the day for other shoes. I was in last week with my five-year-old, so this has been going on a while. 
We've always had great service. And at the end, when the assistant asks so cheerfully, do you want to treat yourself today for the £20 discount? I feel I need to, as otherwise it's a slight on how she's treated my child. <laughs> Initially, I used to buy myself shoes and or my husband. Though children do need shoes much more frequently than us. And I don't always like their offerings for adults. The five-year-old then walked around the adult section, picking up shoes and telling me how lovely they were. And when we got to the pay point, the lovely assistant tilted her head and said, nothing for you. Now, I feel awful as my son had been a bit tiresome and she had been amazingly patient. And now I think I cannot return. Would I be put on the list as a bad parent who has an unruly (laughs) child and doesn't return loyalty with the second purchase? I presume the staff get some sort of reward or commission from sales. So after all that effort with my child, her return will be limited. Summer is around the corner, which means sandal shopping looms. Or do I just make him go barefoot? How do others who love the joy of the measuring tool deal with this? Thank you. Well, I have to be honest. So it was my first time taking my son to Clark's and it felt like this huge moment because I loved it so much when I was a kid going to Clark's Shoes. But I don't think I was offered the 20% discount, which is now making me think, what's wrong with me? So it's the thing, is it? So if you're buying children's shoes, you get a 20% discount off adult shoes. That's what it sounds See, like. I, I, I wasn't told about that. Oh. Now, I've always got a get out in that I don't wear leather. Oh, well, that's what that's what Jennifer should say. There you go. Yeah. Pretend to be a vegan, even. I mean, not uh, I'm veggie, but pr- pretend to be either veggie or vegan. In, in any way, any kind of very particular requirements that they can't possibly yeah. fulfill, because they probably do have some vegan shoes, don't they? But mm. I think that's probably the answer. Yeah, say, oh, sorry, I don't wear leather. And then I know what Jennifer means. I feel that a lot of their adult shoes look very clumpy. Right, well. There's a clumpiness okay. to their general aesthetic. I think it's... I think Jennifer's a, a very sensitive, sweet soul. You said, no, I completely understand this. I, I, I would feel the same way. You feel obliged. But it's a bit like, I wonder if there's something to be learned from our secret waiter episode ah. where I would get myself into a state about when they describe the specials yes. or when they describe their their particular recommendation. You know, I'd get myself into a state about them feeling snubbed. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out they they don't really. Yes. It's only if you ask loads of questions and then, you know, you say, what would you have though? What do you like? It, it doesn't really apply to shoes, does it? Unless she says... Um, uh, well, we can give you twenty percent discount. And then you say, "But which shoes would you get if you were me?" <laughs> which is unlikely. I see. I think you're already buying a pair of shoes. Like she, she she's got her commission on the shoes you've bought. She's done her I job. I do think you're tougher than some of us on this stuff, Annabelle. Maybe because I think what you, you bought. I think if you went in and your kid was a nightmare and you spent ages measuring them and trying on hundreds of pairs of shoes and then you didn't buy any, I would feel horrific. But as long as you buy some for your child, you don't have to buy any for yourself, do you? Maybe you could just buy some um, insoles. <laughs> so I do need some insoles, actually. Funny you should mention it. Or maybe some suede cleaner. I don't know. There's, there's always something in a shoe Shoelaces. shop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. There we go. Problem solved. If you have a quandary and you'd like us to solve it in Quandary Corner, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. <laughs>
And that was our podcast live from Salford and Snaresbrook. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the backing music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. And I'll, uh, I'll round off this week's episode by saying, I'm just going to put my tongue in. Oh, this comes from Jojo Oldham. Oh, yes. Jojo, who says, hello, Annabelle and Jeff. Hello. Hello. I wonder if you could podicate your podcast, which you launch into the world on the 11th of March, to my fella, new civil partner, Martin Heinze Hines, who has a birthday annually on the 10th of March. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. I was, uh, I was with the cousin the other week. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we still listen to your podcast, admittedly me more diligently than him. I have been trying to get him to subscribe to the other podcast too, as he is much more clever and a far deeper thinker than shallow, fluffy old me. I, th- I think I think this is the deeper of the two in, in some ways. <laughs> There's more introspection, perhaps. Right. Uh, on Friday the 13th of March, we will be listening to some of your podcasts on our way down to Somerset for a week of West Country tourism and two home games of our bestest football team, the world's first vegan football team, Forest Green Rovers. We will also try to find time to watch the pro bono travelogue of Snaresbrook. <laughs> I'm sure house prices will skyrocket, leaving estate agents scratching their head as to the reason. Uh, I've been enjoying Jeff pop up from time to time on various BBC radio stations. In fact, I heard you last night after the penalty shootout at Spurs versus Norwich. Oh, Jeff. That was me. How yeah. do you follow that? Well, I, I, uh, I, I thanked the sports team and then I moved on. Right, okay, that's how you followed it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The unlucky story is a huge favourite in our house along with the congratulations story and even though Martin, the birthday boy, doesn't have the opportunity to listen as much as I do, when I went and uh, did a transcendental meditation course, one of the things that the Maharishi had said that they taught on this course was you know, if you don't have time for 20 minutes meditation in the morning and 20 minutes meditation in the evening, then you need to look at your life. And I feel the same about Martin not having time for every episode of this podcast. We're just weekly, Martin. Come on. It's not like we're daily. Um, We do often say those words to uh, one another to make the other laugh. I've been meaning to send you in a story from my childhood, which still haunts me to this day. But if my shame allows me, it will have to be attributed to Anon. Oh, please do. Wait, yes, please. I'm now desperate to hear it. I thought the secret waiter show was excellent and he was incredibly uh, likeable and professional and lifted the curtain on life the other side of the restaurant. I wonder if we could in the future have a secret doctor excuse me, doctor show, yes, please. Mm. Secret hairdresser and or beautician show, yep. And secret cleaner show. Not that I have a cleaner, but I feel it would be a rich seam to tap in on. All these sound like great ideas, Jojo. Mm -hmm. Regarding Quandary Corner, I heard Annabelle say that maybe the reason she was getting a little low on quandaries is that between you both, you've answered all scenarios. Perhaps Annabelle could gather all quandaries since the dawn dawn of time, or when Adrift started, and put them into a social etiquette book for the socially awkward. Oh, yes. Ka-ching. A lot of money to be made in books, Annabelle. Oh, so much. I'm rolling in it, yeah. I think I'm still on minus. (laughs) Didn't you get a special offer from your publisher that you could buy some of them back? 
at half yeah, price yeah. rather than the, let them be pulped. Yeah, they were going to pulp them, but they <laughs> but they'd sell them to me for I don't know, like yeah, it was half price I think. God, that's but a racket, pulp isn't them, it? Just give them to me. <laughs> yeah, because pulping them presumably on some level would cost yes, them money. That's what I thought, and they charged me a lot of money to deliver them as well. Anyway. Anyway, Jojo wants uh, 10% of all profits. Fine, yeah. Minus 10%. (laughs) Peace and love, peace and love, Jojo (laughs) Oldham. Well, good to hear from you, Jojo. It's been a while. I hope that you have a fantastic uh, Heinzy Heinz birthday celebration. I hope that the Forest Green Rovers... Score yes. a goal, yeah, not just many. any old goal, though, the winning goal. Exactly that, yeah. You can tell I've been in a sports broadcasting environment. Very good, Jeff, very good. Yeah. All right, if you would like a publication, email us, hello at adriftpodcast.com. Lovely, brilliant, thank you. I shall email it to you now. Okay, well, I hope it goes well tomorrow. Miss you too, yes, but I'll see you next week. Hope so. Great. All right, bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.